you don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I grew up in the East Village in Manhattan in, I was born in 1985, and I came of age really in the early 90s in an era of crack, and the city was dead broke. I grew up with a mom who was a single, very outside the system human, so we never had any money, and my whole block was low-income housing. I was born opposite a 700-person men's shelter. On the corner was a group home for boys, which was like a stepping stone to their future life across the street. On the next block was the Hells Angels headquarters. So you have this confluence of wildness and poverty and crime, and the police called our block the asshole of the universe because it was just the meeting point, the conjunction of every shitty, crazy, insane thing that could happen. But the East Village, you know, we were two blocks from CBGB's, which is the birthplace of punk music. Jean-Michel Basquiat's studio was on the next block, and Nan Golden, who's my godmother, was around the block. So they all came there to make weird avant-garde movies and make no-wave music and make punk and make strange paintings and do cocaine and sell whatever weird shit they wanted to sell and reinvent their identities. And I was just trying to figure out how to have a play date. They chose to be there, and I was born there. When I was a little kid, it was just me and my mom. We were a team, and I could find her. I could reach for her. I could say something. She would hear me. We lived in a house full of hand-me-downs. All my clothes were hand-me-downs. We, would, we got a mattress from her friend. Everything was self-invented and created, but we would play together. We'd go up on the roof together and, and make up imaginary stories and games, and if I had an idea for something, I wanted to start a newspaper, she'd start it with me, you know, like... It, she was chief of a tribe of two, 
And I loved her for it, and I respected her for it, and I trusted her judgment. And then something happened where she changed. And I remember the first night I saw her change from alcohol, and she put her fist through a window and started screaming. And there was just a blackness that came into her eyes, and I couldn't find her anymore. And she was my only connectivity to the outside world. So I lived a life with a person who never sat down. Her thing is, I don't sit down. To this day, only rides a bike everywhere, does not, will not sit down. So we walked, and we'd walk from 3rd Street to 57th Street, and I'm seven, eight, nine years old walking, you know, from 57th Street to 23rd Street to rehearsal at 8 p.m. and then rehearsing some terrible off-Broadway garbage production of Oliver Twist or Charlotte's Web. And then walking home at midnight and, like, not knowing whether or not the lights are going to be on when we get there because fuck the man, she doesn't pay electric bills. And we have a cable running out the window to the neighbor to keep, like, one lamp on, but forget the fridge. I didn't learn how to use silverware till I was 13 years old. Like, I was raised a wolf child, and I wasn't allowed to close any doors. I wasn't allowed to have keys to my own house till I was 17. Things got pretty dark. Sometimes she would just lay in the bathtub and wail, crying out for Billy, the love she lost three years before I was born. Other times she'd black out and threaten to hurt herself. I had to call the cops a few times to make sure she didn't. I found out much later that she had been taking a prescription drug, an upper. And what I didn't know until I was 19 was that the particular drug that she took, when mixed with alcohol, produces textbook psychotic behavior. And man, when it says as a side effect, this produces psychotic behavior, you know it's bad. So that was my childhood, was psychotic behavior. And I never knew which version of her was going to come home or pick me up from school or drop me off at a play. So I grew up in an environment where I was entirely at the mercy of somebody else's moods, who was simultaneously my greatest protector and my greatest antagonist. How did you learn about Billy? I don't remember a time in my life when I didn't know about Billy. Billy was the person who my mom sang to at night. Billy was the person who my mom talked to when she was cooking. And she would talk about him in this mythological way where he was just the best thing that ever happened to her. And she didn't entertain any bullshit notions of him being a prince. She was really into the fact that he was raw. And my mom never told me anything about her childhood, never told me anything about my grandparents, never told me anything about my dad, never told me anything about anything historical. So I grew up knowing that she was a forward-facing person. She looked toward the future only, and later I realized her survival depended on it, but the one exception to that rule was always Billy. And it felt like that was because he still lived with her. Like, he hadn't died. His body had moved on, but 
I remember as a little kid thinking, has she transferred her love for him to me? Does she think that I am him reincarnated? And when I started to process the timing of it, that there was a solid, like, two-and-a-half-year window between his death and my birth, I was like, oh, my God, like, what if she thinks that I'm Billy reincarnate? The timing is eerie. The timing is very eerie. Because there's some spirit floating around that just needs a little human body to crawl into. And I, you and I know who that spirit is. That would be fucking crazy. So, who was this person who might be a part of me? From Crime Town, I'm Io Tillett Wright, and this is The Ballad of Billy Balls. He said, Can you come down to identify the body? of William Heitzman. And I just, of course, went into this white And I would like to not remember that feeling because the only thing that stopped it was you being born. All right. Chapter three, Billy the Kid. Hi. Hi. How are you? Give me a hug, bud. Hi. To nail down some basic facts about Billy, we went back to the only source we had. My mom. 14, you know. What year was Billy born? In 1945. He was born in Red Bank, Sandy Hook. What is it? Sandy Hook? Red Bank? New Jersey. And his father was a prohibition, like, rum runner with a boat across from Jersey to New York. And he lifted an engine off of some guy, and he just picked it up with his bare hands, an engine. And he caused such hernia that he died from hernia. His sweet mother, this little tiny woman, she lived in Maine with his half-brother, And that's all I know. Not a lot to go on. But I started digging through public records. From what we know about his family, his parents are dead. His dad died in 1940-fucking-seven. His mom died in 2000... uh, No, 1979. 78, I think. 78, 79, yeah. If he had an older brother, which... We heard from both my mom and the records that he probably did have an older brother. That older brother would have been, that kid was born in the 20s at least. So he would have been at least 20 years older than Billy, who would have been 74 now. So that guy would be nearing 100. So the likelihood of the brother being alive is very slim. 
this thing on. Is this about to be emotional Christmas? A few days later, Austin pulled me into the studio. Billy's history a little bit. Did you find more about him? This is all... Oh, my God. So I'm holding right now, like, a stack of papers. Oh, my God. All right, so the earliest thing that I found that I think is Billy is this in the Red Bank Register, which was the local newspaper. My mom was fucking right. Red Bank, New Jersey. Red Bank, New Jersey. Yep. Oh, dude. Mr. and Mrs. John Heitzman of Wall Street are parents of a son born Sunday at Monmouth Memorial Hospital. Billy was born on January 14th, 1945, to Nora Bell and John Heitzman of Red Bank, New Jersey. But just two years later, John Heitzman, 47, 40 Riverdale Ave, Monmouth Beach, died early this morning at the Monmouth Memorial Hospital. Surviving are his parents and one son, William Heitzman Jr. of Red Bank. Mm -hmm. Doesn't say how he died. But that was 1947, so Billy was very young. Billy's dad died when Billy was only two years old. He never knew his father. So, and then I just found a bunch of very cute things about Billy. So from 1952... Oakland Street School Children performed for PTA. No, he was seven, singing. Where's little, oh, Billy Heitzman. Oh my God. What else do you have? I'm gonna barf. <laughs> June 26, 1954, Ms. Lillian Terhune presented her piano pupils. Piano pupils in a concert Thursday night at the Women's Club. There it is, Billy Heitzman. Billy had taken piano lessons and won honors in a state competition. And he was an artist in other ways, too. Bicycle safety poster contest. Billy Heitzman, first prize. He won first prize in a bicycle safety poster contest. So I've started to look up people, all of these names. I was just going to say, let me see that again. People who might have known him. Yeah. Hello? This is uh, Rich Doremus in Red Bank. Oh, thank you so much for calling me back. Are you the right person? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I guess I am. (laughs) What's up? Do you recognize the name William Heitzman? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You do? Billy Heitzman, yes. He lives about a block away. Good kid. Rich Doremus was friends with Billy in elementary school. Pretty smart. Um, Friendly. You're digging back in my computer here pretty far. He lived with his mother. I'm not sure whether his father died during the war. He had a much older brother. Wow. His brother, his older brother, used to take a bunch of us guys out into the woods and have us build lean-tos. What was Red Bank like? My street was pretty quiet than the one I'm on right now. I still live in the same house. Um... You could play ball in the streets in the evening and hide and go seek. And it was p- pretty quiet. There was a uh, p- place called the YMCA where on uh, Friday and Saturday nights they'd play recorded music, you know, from the 50s, <clears throat> rock and roll, and have dances. 
there were about three or four of us that were friends that lived within three or four blocks of each other. Um, Do you remember any other of the names of those friends? Uh, Sure. Owen Jones, Clancy Boynton. Hello? Hello. Uh, I'm looking for the uh, Clancy Boynton who went to uh, Oakland Street School in Red Bank, New Jersey. I'm the guy. I'm the guy you're talking to. Uh, Do you remember somebody named William Heitzman? <laughs> you know, it's, I, you won't believe this, but I, I just was about three days ago reliving a memory of Billy Heitzman. We used to call him Billy. It wasn't William. We used to call him Billy. But this, this he was an incredibly uh, <laughs> unbelievable person. Clancy says that even back in elementary school, Billy's behavior was extreme. Once he came to. Uh, Oakland Street School, wrapped in a Nazi flag that his brother had uh, secured during the war. By the way, Billy was Jewish. And it was a big one. It was like a 12-foot Nazi flag. And they didn't quite know what to do with it. it. Was And it was politically incorrect at that point. This is back in the 50s, you know. And the teacher said, well, I don't know, you know. And then uh, somehow it just kind of went away. <laughs> And when Billy went to high school, his penchant for making trouble got a little louder. I remember uh, in Red Bank, there was this place called Marine Park where all these uh, boats were. And I mean, there was people with a lot of money there, you know, the nicest part of town. One day, me and my friend Mike are, are walking down there uh, to Marine Park. And uh, here comes Billy in a... Uh, might have been a convertible Jaguar, like a 1952 Jag. And you could tell it had been in the fire or something like that, because the entire thing was like burnout. <laughs> and the, and the, had, the mufflers were taken off this thing because it was so loud, you could hear Billy at the top of the hill. So we're down at the bottom of Marine Park, and all of a sudden you hear Billy Heitzman coming <laughs> forward down <laughs> These guys are playing shuffleboard, and they just like, I mean, they dive. Look, they dive off the courts. They thought an explosion or bombs were coming in. Billy swings around, and he's got one of those scars that are like a, you know, the old uh, airplane, you know, guys back in the uh, World War One used to wear, you know, the white scarf, you know, fly it out. He does two circles around Marine Park, and uh, he just drove it home. <laughs> A little, a little flamboyant. What I remember of him, he was very independent, very... Uh, I wouldn't say that he's the kind of guy that never fit in, but I just wanted to say that he kind of guy preferred to be alone. When did you lose touch with Billy, can I ask? Oh, it must have been early in high school. I don't even know whether he graduated. In, I graduated in 62 from Red Bank High. Did he graduate? I um, saw some uh, yearbook photos in there. Did you fucking find Billy's yearbook? Yeah. See if you can find him. Bill Heitzman. Oh, yeah. Fucking of course. Wow. Doesn't he look like he has an attitude? Yeah, he looks like a little greaser. He's got like full 50s teddy boy hair. So this is from his sophomore year. 
in high school. This is the yearbook from 1960. I looked in the yearbook for 1961, not in it. 1962, not in it. But I think I might know why. The first thing that I actually found when I started looking for his shit was an article. (gasps) FBI nabs youth in Florida holdup. A 15-year-old Red Bank youth was arrested on Cedar Avenue last night by Federal Bureau of Investigation agents in connection with a holdup of a shoe store. William Heitzbin from Maple Ave and Hans Udo Weinert, address unknown, are charged with the holdup, which netted $1,700. Oh, my fucking God. Listen. (laughs) When I was 16, I sold aspirin as ecstasy but getting picked up by the FBI yeah when you're 15 yeah that is very impressive also who's Hans Udo Weinert I'm pretty sure he's dead Mm. but I am also pretty sure that I found his children that's after the break Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hello? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I got a call from you a little while ago. This is uh, Roderick Weiner. Roderick's father, Hans, was listed as Billy's accomplice in that shoe store robbery. Yeah, that is, that is my father. Did, did your father ever talk about an incident where he robbed a shoe store in Florida? He sure did. <laughs> mm-hmm. He basically, I mean, I was a kid when he told me about it. He said that uh, I think the the owner of the shoe store had a lot to do with it. He was going to tie him up and rob him and make it look like a robbery. 
I'm a little confused. So the owner of the shoe store was He gonna... had my father tie him up to make it look like a robbery. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. I don't know if they were going to split the money or what. You know, I don't know. So then the FBI got involved. And they put pressure on the guy. And they told the, the, the owner of the shoe store. And he told him what really happened. And that's where my father got arrested. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't go to prison or anything. I can tell you that. The FBI dropped the charges against both Billy and Hans. I think that he pretty much got off on it. He went on to become a chemist and everything. He got a master's degree in chemistry. But Billy, he became a master of pissing off the cops. Oh, William Heitzman, 157 Maple Ave, Red Bank, was charged with careless driving and having noisy mufflers (laughs) after an accident at Oceanic Bridge yesterday. So he would have been about 18 and he's driving around, driving getting in his accidents car, with no spinning around. noisy mufflers. So this one is from a month later. Where oh, he, my fucking Christ. He got fined again. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he got another $10 fine. Two or three weeks after that. Oh, my fucking, come <laughs> it's on. It's the same shit. Around this time, William Heitzman disappeared from the records. Years later... He reemerged in New York City. At the Pepman Lounge in Midtown, Billy was there. And he was looking for a band to play with him. This is Gregor LaRock, a musician who met Billy when he first arrived in New York. What year was that, do you think? Oh, God. I would say 70. What was Billy like back then? Um, first of all, his image, the way that he dressed with a tuxedo, <laughs> he wore tux pants, and then these gigantic boots that look like Mickey Mouse, kind of like bulbous in the front. And then he spray painted them pink, and he called himself Romeo Love. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't Billy Balls. Hey, man, Romeo Love. <laughs> And then he'd do this weird thing, you know, you go shake his hand and he'd do that thing with the middle finger on your palm. <laughs> and you go, oh, and he'd give you that look like, hey, man. You'd be like, what? You know, it's like that. And he had a hearse that was a black, I believe it was black with these huge red hearts on it. It's like a cartoon. He could be funny and entertaining and all that, but you're not going to go and mess with a guy. (laughs) You know, you just knew just by looking at him and talking to him. You know what I mean? You're not going to mess with him. Our relationship was just, was really, really into playing music. We hooked up and we started doing gigs. At one time, Jerry, this was at a loft where we rehearsed. Gregor was rehearsing with Billy and Jerry Nolan, who would go on to be a drummer for the New York Dolls. He asked Jerry Nolan to go and get something for him in his suitcase. Jerry sticks his hand and he goes, man, you're not going to believe it. Stuck my hand in there where I see a gun. He goes, I pulled it out and it's a gun. It's Billy's gun. Yeah. Why do you think Billy would have a gun, Gregor? 
Uh, because of all the different things that he would get into, I guess. Do, do you remember anything around when you found out that Billy was killed? Um, just that it was like a big shock, you know, that that he died. What was the impression of what had happened? That it was a drug deal gone bad. And that he pulled out a gun and he got shot. That's what I had heard. Was there any impression of who had shot him? Uh, you mean the person's name? No. Sure, the person's name or a sense of, like, if that person was a dealer or... Undercover cop. But I don't know. This matched up with what my mom told us in Chapter 2. So I went back to her to dig a bit deeper. How did Billy make money? How did Billy make money? Well, in many different ways. <laughs> like? Like shows, uh, fronting and offering merchandise of various kinds. What kind of merchandise? Cars, musical instruments, uh, amplifiers, etc. Like stolen shit? You find shit, you sell it. You, people bring you shit, you sell it, etc. You know. Did he ever sell anything else? Like what? Like drugs? Are we turning the microphone off? I was asked to get dope for a very wealthy politician. And that's how I got Billy to score for me. That's next time on The Ballad of Billy Balls. Crime Town is Zach Stewart Pontier and Mark Smerling. The Ballad of Billy Balls is hosted by me, Io Tillett-Wright, and made in partnership with Cadence 13. You can find me on the internet. I'm Io Loves You on everything. And if you want to know more about my story, you can pick up my memoir, Darling Days. We want to hear from you. We have a voicemail set up for you to call us. Here's a lovely message from last week. You just said that she was your mom, and I'm in my car. And I just said, what? (laughs) I had to stop. This is crazy. I hope you find it. I hope you find what you're looking for. Your mom is amazing. I wish I could meet her. My name is Mikkel. I'm in Ohio. You guys take care. I'm sure a lot of you have mysteries in your own families or things this podcast is making you think about. We want to know what they are. Call us and leave us a voicemail at 570-392-9660. We'll play another next week. A lot of you have been asking for photos of Billy and Rebecca. You can find them on our website, theballadofbillyballs.com. 
and you'll find a discussion board too. The show is produced by me, Kevin Shepard, and Ryan Swiker. Our senior producer is Austin Mitchell. Editing by Zach Stewart-Pontier and Mark Smerling. Fact-checking by Jennifer Blackman. This episode was mixed and sound designed by Sam Baer. Music by Kenny Kusiak. Our title track is Dark Allies by Light Asylum. Archival research by Brennan Reese. Thanks to Daniela Araya, Rachel Lee Wright, Emily Wiedemann, Green Card Pictures, Alessandro Santoro, Bill Clegg, Ben Davis, Oren Rosenbaum, and the team at Cadence 13. And of course, Rebecca, without whom none of this would be possible. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.